Hi everyone, welcome to PinoPod and thank you for joining us for our first episode. I'm Marceline Javier. And I'm Rocky Ali. We're the co-founders of Pino Design Studio and also your hosts for this podcast. Thanks so much for being here. So PinoPod is where we'll have conversations about design and exploring what Filipino creativity means to us and to other creatives, how it's evolving and why it's vital to showcasing Filipino identity on a global stage. We'll also be sprinkling in some life advice and personal stories. So for today's episode, we're starting things off, you know, pretty chill and sharing some personal experiences that influenced our creative journeys so you can get to know us a little better as well. And we'll also get into those journeys and how they led us not only to the founding of Pino, but also creating PinoPod. It'll be the two of us just for today, but moving forward, we'll definitely be bringing in other creatives from the industry to join us in these discussions so we can delve deeper into their unique perspectives on design and insights on how to elevate Filipino creativity. We've got an awesome lineup for you guys and we'll be releasing new episodes every two weeks. So make sure you're following PinoPod on Spotify. So now that we've you know introduced ourselves, shall we get into it? For sure. I actually have a first question, Mara. All right, what is it? What Filipino person, artist, or brand do you think deserves more attention? For me, okay, top of mind, a uh, brand that I love and I think deserves a lot of love, not just from Philippines, but internationally. I think it's a really strong brand, mm-hmm. um, is Halo Halo. Mm-hmm. So everyone, I mean, I hope most people know what Halo Halo is, right. Right, the food. Uh, but Halo Halo is a local accessories, and now they're expanding into furniture and apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of local brand. And I just love everything that they create, but not just because it's great quality, but they've taken like such a classic... Uh, Filipino textile, which is like bandig, right? We use that for, you know, sleeping mats when you're in the province and everything. Um, they've taken that just classic design, kind of overlooked, right? right. They've uh, they created really intricate, interesting patterns that are, you know, uh, synonymous to the brand already. You see it and you're like, oh yeah, halo halo. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have created amazing colorways, uh, very digestible, not just for, you know, Filipinos, but for the international audience. Right. Um, and it really feels authentically Filipino. And yeah. it's so cool. Uh, I, I love what they've done so far with their accessories and their bags and how mm-hmm. they've expanded into furniture and, you know, expanded into apparel as well. Um, yeah, that's a brand I've been following since their inception, I think, in um, 2017. Well, that's when I first saw, saw the, their pop-ups and whatnot. Um, and they've just grown a lot. And I think they deserve a lot of international love. Yeah. I super love the name, especially. Yeah. I mean, you, you would you wouldn't think that something so so simple as a dessert could be yeah. something so elegant as well. So playful. It's really well reimagined. Yeah, and also from a branding standpoint, right? Just the name itself, like Halo Halo, is just everything mixed into one, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like all of the random uh, ingredients that you would have, like gelatin, ice, ube, mm-hmm. leche flan. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all, you know, very yummy on its own, but together it makes like it's its own new concoction, right? Right. And I think that's also what they've done with the brand is that they've taken, uh, you know, ingredients or materials that are just Filipino and they've created something new with it. Yeah. So just from like a branding philosophy perspective, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Uh, For me, I I honestly think that they get a lot of attention, but I think they really deserve more. I think it's T-H-E clothing. Um, For me as a logo designer, I absolutely love the logo. There's so many parallels to the geometry, but... At the same time, it just feels so authentic and 
Um, so simple. It's kind of like one of the logos that are on my bucket list of if I had to design a logo, it would have been one of these. Yeah. Like, you know, really, really great streetwear from a from a local company. And honestly, I think that more people should be buying from them. Yeah, nice. Actually, you know, we're both very passionate about design and mm. culture and creativity. So I guess for you, um, just knowing and seeing your passion, right? What is that? Um, what is the formative experience that you had growing up that kind of got you into design right. and got you into, yeah, loving it? Right. So there's always a thinking that, you know, for you to really appreciate a country, it's it's about you growing up there, living there, kind of knowing its nuances. But actually for me, I really appreciated the Philippines because most of the time, or at least half of my life, I wasn't here. I was actually studying abroad. And I think, you know, you're like a third culture kid. Right. And what's nice is that because I didn't get to experience it on an everyday basis, I really, really look forward to certain things about coming back here. It's like, you know, um, just riding a Jeep again or eating particular foods or going to specific beaches or um, even just hanging out with like Filipino family. I think that the Filipino like identity and culture is just so different and um, it honestly made me want to come back all the more. And I think What's interesting about that also is that, you know, being able to kind of experience other countries as well. It's like I also got to see the, the strengths of Filipino culture all the more. Yeah. Um, you know, our warmth as a culture, our approachability, our hospitality. And I think that, you know, those things can actually, with what we're seeing in terms of international design practice happening, there's a huge opportunity for us to communicate those all the more in how we communicate our process, how we communicate our ideas, how we cultivate businesses, we are definitely a cultural identity that I think has the potential to be on par with Tokyo, New York, all of those things. But um, it's just a matter of having creative people push that even further. And I think we're definitely on that right track for sure. Yeah, and that's why you wanted to get into it in the first place, right? Yeah, it's like a childhood dream that, you know, especially now with the creative industry being so um, exciting and energetic and full of life, uh, it's a great time to get into creativity. And, it, and for me, it's a bit nostalgic. It's like I'm actually seeing the childhood dream kind of form with how you know the philippines is shaping up honestly it's really great to see all of these businesses coming up these uh different clothing concepts like halo halo the all of those things it's really great because i think we as filipinos are very very creative and you know um it's exciting to also be part of that as well through pino which i mean brings me to maybe the last question that i like to ask you is uh what kind of exciting opportunities do you see here in the Philippines, you know, if you're going to start a business or if you're even looking for like a job, like where do you kind of see the excitement, the energy happening for our industry in our country? Yeah, I think, you know, to, to really understand the level of potential and opportunity here in the Philippines, you also need to see, uh, take a step back and also see that, I guess, as a culture, as people, we've always kind of looked externally, we've looked abroad yeah. for that you know, level of creativity and design, right? We really admire, for the longest time, right? We really have admired Western brands, Western culture. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that we think is like better than like what the Filipinos or Filipino people can do. Mm -hmm. But I think now that we've, you know, we're in a time and a, and a generation that is moving to uh, really valuing and admiring local mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, really seeing the value of local craftsmanship, of local ideas, like Filipino ideas and mm -hmm. creativity. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that it's kind of going back to our roots and seeing like how uh, opportunities here can grow us to an international level. Right. 
right? So, and I think that's really what it what it is is the opportunity is the potential yes. of the Filipino everyday person, yes, uh, the Filipino creative, right? Mm-hmm. The Filipino artist. Um, it's really being the opportunity is realizing that potential in our people, but also within our culture, within what we see around us. Our you know, ideas too. Yeah, our ideas, just mm-hmm. the agriculture around us, the food, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, design can take so much inspiration from all those different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, yeah, such a great opportunity. And, you know, I'm excited about realizing that with Pino mm-hmm. and doing it through uh, the means of Pino as a design studio and, and in other areas and services that that we like delve into, right? right? That that's what really excites me. But I think for, you know, every other Filipino it's also seeing like, wow, we have so much potential, not just right, we're not just known for like being really strong singers or beauty pageants. We're actually yeah. like there's so much more depth and complex uh, complexity to what our, our culture and our talent is. It's not just, you know, being able to sing or yeah, he's Filipino. Of course he can dance. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not just that, but it's also like, oh, we're great at design. We're great at starting, um, you know, brands that really show and highlight our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be appreciated by international audiences. Like it can be all those things. Right. right. Um, and it's, I think the opportunity is not limiting ourselves to just one box of talent or creativity, but seeing the potential in all of the different areas that, right. that we can take inspiration from. Right. Yeah. And I guess what's interesting about that, like at least when, what I got uh, from your explanation is that because there's so many inspirations, there's not just one area that you can look to for inspiration. It's actually a bunch of areas. And I think that, you know, with our rich historical influence from other countries as well as you know our diverse group of like ethnic tribes and also the different regions and different foods different locations that we have here in the philippines all of those interpretations are valid within i guess the question of what is the filipino identity Mm -hmm. and we'll be kind of looking into those interpretations as we go through the podcast but i think what's really nice is that your interpretation can be just as valid as somebody else's and they're not working in direct competition and I guess for me, like the interesting opportunity that we also see is that like th- there can be a shift now. We see a lot of businesses providing really quality design products at a very affordable price. And yes. it just goes back to that notion of, you know, um, when somebody sees a product and they say it's like, oh, it's too well designed. Maybe I shouldn't buy it. I think that's technically, I mean, something that we can, you know, grow out of for sure, because, you know, Filipinos deserve good design. And when something is designed, Maybe it can be designed affordably, but you should have it well designed because it's going to be in your life and it's going to last you yeah. a long time. Actually, and something with that, right? Good design isn't just aesthetically pleasing, but it's also accessible. It's right. also functional. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to just serve, you know, a particular like group of Filipinos. It doesn't have to be just expensive. Right. Good design is for everyone. For sure. Yeah. And that's something that we also want to take a look at is like, what are things that we can do to challenge what Filipino creativity is and the notions that we have for the Philippine potential? Um, that's something that we'll definitely look at with our with our speakers and also um, our different topics for our different episodes. Yeah, I guess for you, Rocky, what, right, this is something that we really want to explore and we kind of touched on it already. What is Filipino creativity to you? Um, I mean... It's kind of like what was mentioned earlier. It's that I actually enjoy the diversity of interpretation that we have. It, I mean, within the creative industry, you find that you're actually working against potential, not against competition. 
you being able to achieve your potential is already difficult and a challenge enough. Yeah. But when you succeed in that, it does not take away from somebody else who succeeds in their own creative path as well. That's what I love about creativity. And that's why I got into it. It's because the community is so supporting. You see a lot of studios kind of working with each other, even though technically they're competitors. But because it's about working against potential instead of competition, that uh, this community is so interesting. And yeah. it allows for a lot of people to infuse their own take. Yeah, super um, collaborative. Yeah, for sure. And um, what's nice is that, I guess, in the same way for businesses and also the Filipino identity, if you're going to take from our Hispanic origins as a country, you can take from there. We have a lot of like Philippine businesses who've done that. Um, versus there are a lot of people who are generally just about pure Filipino. That's also another way to interpret it. None of them are invalid because those are both integral parts of our culture and you know, for me, I don't want to say one is right, but I'm actually very interested in exploring all of them yeah. to kind of see, you know, what what comprises or what constitutes that system of identity for us. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Uh, well, for me, um, you touched on it, but I think it's um, being able to, you know, see our values and our spirit as Filipinos, mm -hmm. like, you know, who we are as people, our vibrant uh, culture, our vibrant or like our warm energy, mm -hmm. um, our collaborate, collaborative spirit. I think all of those things, when you infuse them into creativity, um, that's what Filipino creativity is. Right. It's being all those things uh, towards like right, different areas of design yeah. or art or culture. Yeah. yeah, just being able to collaborate and be passionate and excited about it. I think really seeing the potential in it. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And kind of seeing like, like even regardless of the work changes, there's still an underlying spirit of that Filipino hospitality yeah. <laughs> that we can all adopt for sure. Yeah, I think. And something that you said that you're working against the potential, not the uh, competition is like such a key part of what I think creativity is here. Mm -hmm. Is that like we're working together towards a collective vision mm -hmm. of, you know, better design, good design for Filipinos. Right. Um, I think that's what that is. For sure. And, you know, uh, throughout this podcast, we'll definitely be an open book. We'll definitely yes. be opening up advice and sharing ideas. And, yeah. you know, we, as much as possible, want to empower other businesses to also find their potential rather than think that, you know, we're competing against each other because the Philippines reimagined becomes better when a bunch of businesses are doing it. So what we actually did is we released an Instagram stories post for questions that you guys might want to ask us. And, helping us get to know you guys better and also what you guys might need. So we're going to answer those right now. for sending the questions in. For sure. Thank you guys so much. We do actually have some questions to kind of start us off. So Ooh. why don't we get into those, Mara? Let's see. The first one, there's a saying that you shouldn't start a business with your friends. What is your take? Ooh, yes. So what's your take, Mara? That's a great question. Um, so, I mean, just for some context, like you and I <laughs> have known each other since we were... Yeah. <laughs> since we were 12 <laughs> so you know that's quite a long time uh we're in our late mid to late 20s now and so just with like a really long time friendship like that right you would think that um you know there's some <laughs> um there might be some hot takes on whether or not you should start a business with someone you've known for so long or as a close friend uh but for me I think some just one of the most important factors to consider when you're uh, trying to start a business with you know your friends or people that are close to you is understanding what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are 
and what that other person's strengths and weaknesses are and how you can like complement each other and create that synergy, right? Because mm-hmm. if I'm like, if both of us had the same skill set, the same, uh, you know, leadership style and we'd all of competing. that. Yeah, we'd be competing for, you know, the same projects or the same, like, you know, if we were giving feedback or, or direction on something and if it wasn't on the same page, then like, you yeah. know, there's just there's just some clash that would happen there right. naturally. So I think it's so important to see like, okay, this is what I'm lacking and I need someone or I need a friend or person who can complement what I'm lacking yeah. because that's where you'll really uh, work well together and collaborate like, you know, in a very, uh, I guess, effective way mm-hmm. um, is when you can be honest with yourself and, mm-hmm. and see like, okay, I'm not good at numbers. I need someone who's good at numbers, right? Yeah. yeah. And so. it's also about establishing that boundary because, I mean, in, in being vulnerable to having people, you know, carry the load that you're not able to carry, but also focus on the strengths that you want to focus on. Yeah. Um, it also can create rifts in the relationship, especially if it's both personal and professional. So I think, you know, um, to add to what you're saying is it's really just knowing what the strengths and weaknesses are of each other offsetting those so that you guys can be efficient, but also understanding the boundary between personal and professional. Mm, There's a time for work, which is usually like, you know, eight to five, usually for people. And then the rest, you can keep the items or any of the discussions related to work just within those hours. And then after hours, you guys can become friends. Um, For some people that really, really works. And that's what allows you to create businesses like Mara and I have. But of course, there are other instances where because the the line is so blurred, it's very difficult for you to distinguish between those. So I think it's also about having that conversation and saying, are we willing to, you know, create that distinction for us? Would it help our friendship more? Or do you think it will mess it up? If you think it'll mess it up, it's honestly, you know, the most courageous thing to say, maybe this is not our thing. Um, I prefer to work with people I can just be purely professional with, because I want to protect our friendship. But of course, if you think that it can you know, lead to a much deeper relationship and you guys can be responsible enough to separate those spaces. I definitely recommend it because, you know, sometimes work does not feel like work, especially when you have friends over. Exactly, for sure. Yeah, I think it's all about just being able to know when you're wearing your work hat and when when you're wearing your friendship hat with someone. Yeah, and just being like, okay, I'm taking this hat off now. Let's chat like we're friends, you know. Mm Yeah, so next question. Mm -hmm. What's something you've discovered that people don't tell you about starting a business? Ooh, so this is like the secret behind opening a business. The secret souls. Mm, Okay. Um, At least, I'm not going to say I'm an expert, so disclaimer. But within the experience that I've accumulated after the past two going three years is... um, I honestly think that more people would open up businesses if they kind of realize that a lot of it cannot be pre-planned. Um, most of it is actually about trial and error. Um, the, the way that I would kind of explain Failing it... Failing and learning. Exactly. And I think that, you know, I mean, again, even before opening up the business, I was at fault for this, is that I, I was too scared about failing. But the thing is... Um, or like wanting it to get it right on the first Yeah, time. but... Yeah you know, falling forward is still a step forward, right? So um, the way that I would kind of put it, if you want to start a business is the secret to having a good business is crashing through 50 glass windows. If you knew that that was the secret, more people would do it. The problem is nobody wants to break the glass window. It's that it's that mindset. So honestly, I would say if you believe in an idea enough, you will want 
to fail at it only because the goal of succeeding is much, much uh, more important to you. Mm-hmm. That's for me, like the, the most important thing that I've taken away. Yeah, I think for me, it's um, right with the idea, if you really believe it in, in it enough, the thing that will propel that forward is also the structure and the process that goes behind mm-hmm. making that idea a reality. Right. So not just you're right like business operations yada 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 but what's really important is having those uh particular processes protocols that you know work for your business Mm -hmm. and it's always about continuing to tweak it and tweak it until it's optimal for you for your people for your clients for your product whatever it is right Right. Uh, just really focusing on that because a business can't really thrive without structure Mm -hmm. um, especially if you want to grow it and scale it um yeah, so that would be something that, you know, no one really told me before. It's like, yeah, you really have to build structure. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, people grow up with uh, with loving the structure that you find in school. It's kind of that invisible structure that you've yeah. always enjoyed and it allowed you to thrive because while you did have the classes, it also allowed you to focus and dedicate time to the things that you want after school. And I think it's applying that same mindset of um, because you are now a free bird, especially within the creative industry, you now have to apply that same structure so that the same things that you want to put your energy in thrive and the things that you want to focus on, they have that place to to be developed. Um, if you don't, it kind of is free game and you know it kind of can go in different places. So definitely have that structure in place. Actually, when you said invisible structure, that is so true because like when you're starting and growing a business, um, that, you know, like something that people don't tell you is that you see a thriving, successful business and you're like, oh my God, they probably like did that in like a year or like, wow, the path to success is just so, you know, just so impressive for that person and so clear. But what you don't see is that like, that's the tip of the iceberg, right? right. And the something much deeper. Yeah. The 90% of the iceberg that is underwater is that invisible structure that allows you to thrive. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people don't really recognize that. Yeah. Obviously, there's like a lot of hard work and blood, sweat and tears that goes into you know, creating a business for each person. Um, but that invisible structure that is kind of like <laughs> unacknowledged and, mm-hmm. and you kind of like, it's you, not really shown. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not really shown. Um, and it, you know, it's working well when people are just like, yeah, like looks great. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. I guess the structure is working. Right. Yeah. And I mean, kudos to you guys, especially if you've developed that structure for yourselves. I mean, all that hard work that doesn't really go uh, notice is definitely going to pay off for sure because it's really going to propel uh, a lot of the things that people do see uh, further. And yeah, we actually go to our last question. Um, if you could start Pino again, is there anything you would have done differently? Mm. Ooh, this is super interesting. Loaded question. Um, <laughs> okay, so for for me, I would. I don't think I would do anything differently because... Obviously, everything that we've done has kind of led us to where we are. Yeah. And it's definitely being grateful for the shortcomings and the failures and mm-hmm. the, you know, the learning curve and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I would necessarily do anything differently. But if I could start Pino again, I think I would, I would just, you know, tell myself to trust in the process and that every, like it will be a gradual growth to get yeah. to where you want to be. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, a few years ago, um, you know, and this is my experience, but I'm sure a lot of people can identify with this, um, is that I had a very clear picture of like 
who I wanted to be and like who I want, you know, what kind of leader or like business person I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I saw that image, but I was like, how do I get there? <laughs> and I was like, how do I get from me now to like that person that like seems so cool and like got, you know, has her stuff together and all of that. Um, but I mean, the journey and the path is like and going through it to get to that point is like the most interesting part. And that's where mm -hmm. you really like learn so much about yourself and how and you continue to explore like different parts of okay like my creativity my um my leadership style my skill set in all different areas of the business right mm -hmm. um and so i would just really tell myself you know you will get there yeah just like just be patient with right. yourself just take be your time. yeah take your time be patient Enjoy. with yourself be compassionate with yourself because you know you'll get to that image that you see eventually Or for all you know, that image can change into something better. It's just, you know, you just have to kind of be open and vulnerable to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be a straight line, straight shot to that, you know, to that point. Um, so it's going to take a lot of like loops and turns and whatnot to get there. For yeah. sure. What about you? I mean, very similarly, I think the first one that actually came to mind was, you know, be a bit more kind to yourself, especially with such big dreams. 100%. You're going to not see it happen as soon as you think of it it's really just going to take a lot of you know planting seeds waiting for them to grow working on yourself working on other things and then eventually in a couple of years you're actually going to see all of those things that you invested in though they were a slow burn they're definitely gonna you know like wreak havoc to in the way that you've always wanted come to fruition yeah Uh, but I guess to maybe provide a different answer, oh, because we're in the creative industry, it's important for everyone to take more risks. I think that, um, you know, whether it's like how how parents raise us or, you know, how like school kind of teaches us that mistakes are kind of to be avoided. I think actually making several mistakes are very crucial for you to learn. And especially within the creative industry where a lot of it happens not in the safe area but actually in the in the uncertain and unexplored area outside we're, of your comfort zone yeah we're we're always at the edge i think it's important for you to be comfortable at the edge and always i mean at, at the very least take one risk however small every day and you know that small risk i think will allow you to kind of see what what are you personally contributing to you know the design community okay. what part of yourself do you want to tell people Uh, it, with your work um, I think that not enough people do that and you know taking one small risk is just a very feasible and a very forgiving way to say that you know I can actually become creative I just need to experiment a bit yeah mm -hmm. I love that that actually concludes our first episode of Pinot Pod Ooh. thank you so much for listening and tuning in we hope that you learned just a little something about us or about you know how you can be more creative or what Filipino creativity can be and its mm -hmm. potential. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, tune in for the next episode. It's coming out in two weeks. We have a really exciting guest for you. So see you then. Bye, guys. Bye.